Welcome to Simple Evolution, the show where we try to evolve through honest conversation. Each week, we break down thought-provoking news and interesting findings from science and the humanities. Making sense of our dynamic world requires meaningful conversations. Our aim with this podcast is to further understand the world and our place in it. Wear a hard hat, but keep an open mind. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Simple Evolution. My name is Brandon Hafling. And my name is Elliot Heiss. And we're very excited today. We actually found a topic that I think both of us have a lot that we want to cover. So just to kind of give a brief overview, essentially what we're going to talk about today is the world's first molecular beverage printing company. And I think is this as- is super interesting. But before <laughs> we do that, I want to stop everything and just congratulate Brandon Hayfling on getting a job in San Diego with a company that he likes. Can you tell us a little bit about what company you're going to work for and how happy you are to finally have a job? Yeah, and this was not set up whatsoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I won't, as of right now, disclose the name of the company, but for sure I'll build off what Elliot just said. He's working so, for yes, the CIA, I, actually. Can't, can't, yeah. It's all classified. I'm very, very excited. I do, I do have a job, and I'm actually more excited just to be a part of the San Diego biotech community. So I've probably been looking for a job for the past six weeks, going through a variety of different interview processes and I'm very happy that now it's it, the deed is done and I can get to work. So I, I'm joining a company where I think the technology is really, really interesting. And I look forward to having the opportunity to grow and learn. And there's a lot of very, very intelligent and, and hopefully humorous people that I get to work with. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. That's a press yeah. conference-like answer for me there, Brandon. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> I'm sad it's not in Vancouver and you couldn't have worked for a company here, but big things ahead and congratulations to you. And the company you're working for is not in a dissimilar kind of uh, wheelhouse than we're going to talk about today. So let's get back to it. All right, sure thing. And in terms of my answer, yes, I've had media training. So I, I know exactly <laughs> what to say. <laughs> so yeah, b- before we get to Canna, which is basically the focus of today's pod, I want to take a step back and cover two, two things. First is how I came across this idea and then introduce a person who I've come to really respect and admire kind of listening to him and his ideas. And his name is David Friedberg. So how I found out about this idea to begin with is through listening to a podcast called the all in podcast. Have you ever listened to that pod? I think you might've sent me one or two episodes, but not on a regular basis. Okay. And I find it pretty funny that Obviously, we're a podcast just promoting another podcast when we're just trying to get our own, synergy. Our own traffic. So synergy. Exactly, synergy. At the end of the day, they're they're happy that we're doing this. <laughs> so yeah, so th- there's a there's a podcast called The All In Podcast. And, and one of the episodes, this guy named David Friedberg, who's one of the four besties, he was describing a company called Canna. So he runs a thing called The Production Board out of Northern California. And it's basically a holding company. And he's very interested in supporting kind of scientific entrepreneurs that are focused on agriculture, food and beverage, and reducing to the climate, um, the carbon footprint on the planet. So he's very eco-friendly. He's very sustainable. He's looking forward to how can we innovate and have a, a more promising future. And so, yeah, he was talking about the idea of a molecular beverage company. And I became really interested because he started saying things and I thought, wow, this makes a lot of sense. 
And our first take into giving a little deep dive on Canna will be Elliot providing more about the company. Perfect. So this company is is been in R&D for a little bit, but uh, their product has not hit the market yet. And their product is called Canna. So basically that's a molecular beverage printer. So what does that mean? It's basically a device that uses tap water and um, a device that uses tap water and basically flavor cartridges to recreate drinks and beverages with far fewer compounds. So basically when you have a drink that you buy at the store or something like that, it can contain hundreds of different molecular compounds. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to recreate beverages with far fewer compounds just using water. Because as we know, beer, wine, tea, coffee, whatever, is almost always over 90% water. So how do we make that process simpler? Let's take us through a regular drink here. A regular drink, grapes are grown in a field and then boiled down and made uh, to make wine. And you have lots of leftover compounds from the organic substance that is the grapes, what the process they go through, and what eventually turns into wine. What if you could just use molecular compounds and just add it right to tap water and recreate that same drink. That's basically what Canna is trying to create. And they're going to try and undercut a 2.3 million year um, bottled beverage industry by putting Canna into... Trillion. Trillion. Sorry, trillion. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, yeah, my writing's terrible. On my notes. <laughs> a tr- so 2.3 trillion a year company that's world or industry that's worldwide right and then create these canna um, devices about the size of a toaster to eventually go into every home every business where you could just add the capsule of flavor compounds add it to water and create a drink within minutes there and almost any drink beer wine tea coffee juice all over 90 percent water and then the beverage that you create with canna would only be about 70 or 80 compounds as opposed to 500 Now, they want to recreate the same kind of flavors, but just without all that extra stuff, uh, streamlining the process of beverage making. So this has the possibility to fundamentally change the way we create beverages. You can do it right from your home, no need to go to the store. And we'll also talk about the implications of this being incredibly environmentally friendly as we streamlined the industry of beverages. Yeah, that was very well said. And it's basically along this idea, I know, we haven't necessarily had a full pod about it, but the 2020 so far, there's been this idea of centralized versus decentralized. People think of, say, currencies, right, with fiat and crypto, but people don't really consider the centralized versus decentralized manufacturing. And so what you're just bringing up is really important. So this would be an idea that falls under decentralized manufacturing because everything can be built in-house at, in the convenience of your own kitchen. So as we talked about say on a previous pod, when we we're discussing journalism, the use of Medium or Substack, everyone can be a journalist now. If you have a Canna device in your kitchen, anyone can be a bartender now. And there's this beauty to it because again, the, the primary solvent that makes up the bulk of the volume is water. And so you have access to that. And then you have these flavor cartridges and then you're basically creating your own drinks. And we'll we'll get into what some of those drinks are in terms of people just having the customizability to make some crazy drink. And if it works, then you can send the software to someone else's canna and then they can just make it themselves. But I want to kind of get your take because I know you're very focused on how we can have sustainable 
futures, especially for just conserving planet Earth and especially where, you know, you live in beautiful BC. So I want to go over this and just kind of describe some things. So to what you said about the beverage industry, they use over 100 million acres of land. They require trillions of liters of water. And again, so for these single use items, like you might go and grab a tall can beer, right? Or, or you might go and grab a six pack of Coca-Colas. Primarily, that is just water with what you just described. Less than say 2% are actually compounds that are giving it the characteristic Coca-Cola flavor and color. And a lot of this can be replicated in-house. So instead of having some plant in the middle of the US and then trucking facilities have to be able to move those items from the Midwest of the US to the West Coast, where then you have to drive to your supermarket, pick up those items, drive home, everything is just in-house. And I can you kind of speak more about just how you see this as a huge pro for the environment and our waste? Absolutely. So the industry right now, every year, emits 543 million tons of CO2 to create half a million single-use plastic, glass, aluminum containers each year. So that's a crazy amount. And Canna is not at scale right now, but at scale, it could reduce plastic um, and the CO2 emissions from this industry by 80%, which is a huge margin, right? And you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but we, you know, why do we have this industry in the first place? Basically, we didn't have this technology in the first place, and it was because t clean tap water was so hard to come by. So this kind of archaic system where everything is outsourced and developed by companies independently made sense. But now, as more and more communities get fresh tap water, you can get some kind of device like Canna and then create your own drinks. So we'll get into customization and stuff in a little bit here. But like you said, even although a lot of those uh, bottles and cans are recyclable, we know from recycling data that only around half, around 40% of uh, approximately all these containers end up getting recycled. Many end up in the trash, in the streets. So recycling isn't a perfect solution. And you, things, some things can only be recycled so much. So if you were to you know, have your one water bottle or your glasses at home, and then just be able to basically, for lack of a better word, print out these beverages. You could take them to go. You could have a party at your house. It's fine. You could have company and you can create these own drinks. And we'll get into customization there in a little bit as well. Um, but do you want to maybe talk about the company's uh, chemistry team and figuring out all the compounds behind this? Yeah, for sure. So... <laughs> From someone with a BSc in chemistry. Exactly. I guess That's I'm why I went the, to the you perfect... for the chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> and now to our CTO. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. If we take a step back, kind of the idea, and I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the original Star Treks, but there's the machine called the replicator. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically just a device where anything you can think of, let's imagine it has a touchscreen, it has its own internal software. You just pick what you want and then boom, 20 seconds later, you have your beverage. And so this is on a similar thread. So in terms of the chemistry teams, how this works to kind of go back to what you're describing when you used your wine example is chemists, specifically analytical chemists, were looking at a red wine. They didn't specify. We don't know if it's a Cab Sav, a Merlot, or a, a Pinot Noir. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but <laughs> smelly over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I tried. Uh, I, I was raised and educated in France in the Bordeaux region. Definitely. But anyway, yeah. Long story short, there's, especially in these red wines that they were analyzing their experiments, they identified more than 600 distinct compounds. 
So what they did is they started, okay, let's just say you have a liter wine and it's 12% ethanol. So what they do is they'll say, okay, if you have a liter and 12% is ethanol, then that means we have 120 milliliters of 100% ethanol. Then we would have 870 milliliters of water. And then basically the 10 mils remaining would be what they're talking about. So all these different flavor compounds, sometimes people think of the tannins, the polyphenols. And what they did is they basically went, okay, instead of trying to figure out from say 600, what if we just start with water and ethanol and then we build up? And then what we'll do is we'll progressively give our standard drink and the wine to someone and we'll see at what point someone can take a sip of both and they can't discern the difference. And so what they basically found is you only need say 30 of those compounds from that red wine where you could have your average wine drinker, you or me, have that drink and say, oh, wow, this is a great Pinot Noir. So you don't need the extra 550 compounds. And the beauty is you could have water from your tap, as you already specified, and then you can have an ethanol cartridge already in this machine. So then it's just those 30 compounds that you need injected into your drink. Voila, you've got basically a, a chemist version of a red wine going away from the grapevine. So that's one thing is there's a huge analytical chemistry component. There's also a process chemistry component. And when you're building devices, this is where, for example, my area of expertise, not that I'm really an expert in anything, you but will be, it kind of, uh, I hope so. It falls by the wayside because when you're creating a device, there's obviously a series of different engineering departments. So you'd have your mechanical engineers are actually constructing the physical device. And then you've got your software engineer and then your electrical engineer that are kind of working in hand to design the software and uh, make sure all the electronics are working. So clearly there's a lot of moving parts. But the important thing is it's primarily at this stage in terms of developing this device, you need a series of different chemistry teams, you need a series of different engineering teams. And so it's early on in this process, they haven't unveiled their first commercial product, but I do think this is the future because for example, what you just described on the environmental impact, all you need really is just a glass and then any drink you want throughout the day, boom, there you have. Right. Yeah, so basically the company right now has got their prototype version and they're they're just feeling out how this process is going to work. But he thinks the Gen 2 version is one that can go into to every household. So we're not sure when the timeline is going to be on that. Um, but basically David uh, Friedberg's The Production Board is his company and they spent around 30 million building the hardware and the chemistry system on Canna. And the consumer taste testing panels have scored the beverage printer uh, as the same or higher than the other drinks you would make, like a regular bottled wine versus the Canna version of the bottled wine. And so what's interesting here is you think about, okay, what if I want a Coca-Cola, right? I'm going to have to go to the store to get that same kind of test or taste. Um, no, you don't actually, because flavors can't be copyrighted. Brands can, but flavors can't be. So what's interesting about this whole process is I think the fight that's going to play out between you have your typical uh, drink companies and then what the canna version is going to be like. So when you think about maybe a, uh, a light or a, a no frills kind of version of a product, that's what canna is going to try and recreate is try and get almost the same flavor and without having the, the store-bought um, company doing well, for, for lack of a better way to put it. 
Um, and also we can talk about customization. So once you get good at, at customizing your drink through Canna, you may be able to sell your recipe or whatever, almost like a, a Spotify or SoundCloud like outsourcing. So if you've found a drink combination which really works, maybe you know a mix of wine or a mix of juices, you may able may eventually be able to outsource that on an app or something like this. And also influencers and celebrities. Some of them already have their own drinks, but this is an even easier version uh, to be able to customize their own drink with Canna and then market the hell out of that. Um, do you have anything more to say on customization? Because this is a huge, oh, yeah. a huge area that, that's going to be expanding with this process. Yeah, I think this process is amazing. And you described a great thing where, for example, people do know you've got your classic beverage brands, but then you need people that are high status, like celebrities, mm -hmm. to be able to launch their own product, like they have a, a hard seltzer or something like that. Yeah. One of the questions I want to get to you in, in kind of this customization talk is surrounding something like a White Claw. Do you drink White Claws? And if so, do you kind of have a preference for what flavor? Well, I have been known to drink White Claws on occasion. <laughs> it's really... It's, it's, I, I heard there's no laws when yeah. you're drinking. Oh, claws. absolutely not. Right? No, yeah, <laughs> you're spot on. <laughs> and I can't believe that's not their slogan. Um, I'm not really a hard seltzer guy, uh, but I do drink White Claws. Maybe it's just the marketing got to me, but they're actually pretty tasty. In any case, hard seltzers are... Um, a thing that I think can be easily customized and celebrities and, and other notables can put out that drink easier than, than classier wines or something like that. Um, but yeah, in conclusion, I think, I don't know if I'd get into the customization. I'm not really a mixologist, but I think that's one. Well, do, you, do you have a flavor? Sorry, if you had to pick a White Claw, let's say you go on a weekend trip and all of the White Claw flavors are available, but you can only take a six pack of what flavor lime, what do you get? hundred percent lime. lime. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I want to tie it into customization. So okay. in terms of what you're talking about, when we think of a hard seltzer to what you described in terms of breaking down a drink, mm -hmm. if let's just keep it easy for the math, you say a hundred milliliter hard seltzer. Okay, right. great. You have 95 or let's say 94 mil of that is water. Then you have 5% is 100% ethanol. And then you basically have one mil is kind of your remaining flavor compounds and other things. What happens with White Claw is they are not going to invest in manufacturing a product at scale where they have a niche consumer market. So meaning if you, when I listened to This Week in Startups, Friedberg was kind of describing this in, in more depth and it makes sense. Internally, like from Canna, you could make a hard seltzer that is hazelnut flavored, right? Or almond flavored. That's, that's what he was referring to. But White Claw wouldn't make that because they can't ensure that they have a large enough customer base where that makes sense to build a product like that. So my thing to you would be like, let's say one day you just become obsessed with guava or lychee. Yeah. You could have your own guava hard seltzer, like a white claw, like a guava white claw right. that you build in the can of device. Like you, you program, you've customized it. This is Elliot's hard seltzer. And then you could say, oh my gosh, wow, last night I tried this. This is phenomenal. You should try it out. And I go, okay, no way. And then you would send me your recipe. And then I could basically just print out the Elliot Guava hard seltzer. Right. Yeah, that totally so makes it's sense. Because you can get yeah, to a like, niche or, more niche group of people who might enjoy the same thing without having the manufacturing behind you to guarantee its success. Exactly. You might only have 25 people that are interested in having a mint chocolate chip yeah. hard seltzer, which right. I think is disgusting, oh, but yeah, there, there's people out there who would try that. Yeah. So that's, a, that's what's so cool about this is 
not only do you have your major brands which are being disrupted because obviously it's not eco-friendly in terms of what they're doing with all the the processing everything in a can but with with canna you become your own customization element where you don't need a mass market of thousands hundreds of thousands of potential customers you could just have five friends that just trust your your taste profile like right. they, they trust your palate and then you just send them your recipe and then they go oh this was great or oh that was terrible yeah you know what gets gets to me kind of is it's almost like you know your your customization and you becoming your own mixologist is almost like everyone becoming their own musician or podcaster or whatever exactly. as all this yep. technology gets better and better it gives regular people the uh, ability to do so much more and i think that's super exciting um and that's not even talking about you know how futuristic this this kind of thing is for the environment and it seems like such a no-brainer um i i absolutely think this is is one of the best ideas i've heard in such a long time because it's so technologically complex but once that's figured out and they get the ball rolling on this this could be meteoric it could see a meteoric rise the only thing that's questionable is how much money is it going to take um from the average consumer to get this into most people's households because brands are so good at marketing and people are very obsessed with the the brands they like the most right so a lot of these no frills type uh products a lot of people don't like them because you know they're maybe they taste the same or they have the same kind of output but they're not branded as well and don't seem like legit as as legit as as other brands so it's it's going to be interesting to see where their price price point is when this comes out um but yeah huge potential behind it yeah and it's it's basically a drink app store yeah that's how i think of it because what you're doing is you still have your classic beverage companies but now to to go on what we've both been saying you are now the beverage company right yeah. you you can design your own custom beverage and what's crazy here is you can basically put alcohol you can customize your alcohol so let, let's just say there's a drink right. that's non-alcoholic yeah. that you want to make alcoholic boom you can do that if there's an alcoholic drink but you really kind of want to reduce the alcohol you can do that and you're just going to have this variation where for sure people are going to come up with some very crazy drinks and there's probably not going to be a lot of people interested yeah. but some individuals will certainly hit on some really cool custom limeade or lemonade or something like a hard lemonade or, or what have you and What's great is Canna will probably put something in where you may even get royalties for all the people wow. that then start to make your drink. Yeah. So let's talk about the further customization for a second. But first, I'll, I'll start off with saying one liter of orange juice takes around 440 rather liters of water uh, to irrigate the orange, irrigate the orange tree. Uh, another example, to make one bottle of wine, it takes 600 liters of water to water the grapes. Um, but what's which that's unreal that's 600 to one unreal where, Un, unreal where you could just if you want a liter of wine put a liter into canna and then put the flavor compound and boom done water reduction down 600 percent crazy um glass waste yeah exactly but canna's prototype is also having customizable variations for other things like you mentioned alcohol but for people that are more health conscious you can also customize sugar levels portion size, vitamins, and again, alcohol levels. So you could make a reduced sugar juice, a reduced alcohol level wine, 
and the customization here is is crazy there's just so many possibilities and when i was explaining it to people in person it was it was hard for me to get across how fundamental this change could be um almost akin to like having you know like an iphone in your pocket or a, or you know a soundcloud device or something like that where you can create your own thing you could just create your own drinks so easily and it's almost compare it to like a soda stream or something but instead of having oh, yeah. those brands exactly. you have way more customization and you just get flavor compound capsules and you can create it like that but not just you know soda you can do tea or coffee or beer and what yeah wow i'm just blown away by the idea in general yeah but that's a good point because i, I was going to bring up the idea so you mentioned soda stream i think people have heard at least of the concept of oh at home you can make your own sparkling water right yeah. you just infuse it with co2 boom you're good to go but when i saw the first soda stream i was at a friend's house and i, I thought oh okay cool what's this and then immediately clicked that was awesome you have sparkling water at, at you know snap of your fingers i didn't think beyond that of oh you can just make so many more drinks like the soda stream is version one and it's right. just dealing with water but what about something more advanced that deals with something beyond just making sparkling water mm -hmm. from from still water and now the dots have been connected and i think there's no turning back absolutely not and they also claim that canna can print enough drinks uh to save a family from throwing out a hundred containers a month and you won't have to think about buying drinks at the store anymore because you could just do that at home and i think it's funny that we compare it to the star trek device what was it called again the replicator. The replicator. I mean, eventually, maybe this could even go to food. Um, but that's yeah. A, I was I was thinking about yeah. that as well. I mean, that's a much bigger step, and I think people are more cautious about what organic matter, solid matter, they're putting into their body than what's the water. Because I mean, water is just more part of every drink than some carbon is, for example, in food. So this is a natural first step in this kind of realm, but that's probably where it's heading. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to say it because with beverages, especially when, as you described earlier, most of the drinks we consume on a day-to-day -day basis are majority water. Yeah. Water is the universal solvent. So you're basically just taking something that, for example, in the lab, like I would make a buffer that would involve different things, but water is a core element. So I'm making solutions that I wouldn't drink in the lab, but water is a key element just like I could make solutions that I would consume with the Canna device. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think food down the road, I'm not sure on timeline there, but definitely way after this becomes mainstream for drinks. I think the idea of doing this with food, once other critical challenges are solved, I think could be a possibility. Right. I'll just go over the environmental thing one more time. So when you're going to the, to the store to buy a bottle of wine, that wine has maybe been grown by grapes in France, takes water to irrigate, irrigate them, right? It takes, you know, planes and trucks to transport all this material um, to the store. It takes a lot of energy to create the glass in general, to bottle it and then have it sitting on a shelf there. And then you have to drive to the store, get the wine, and then eventually recycle it or throwing out that would all be eliminated and the only thing that you would have to acquire is these capsules these flavor capsules and then the water from your tap and then boom that's it and that's just the yeah. kind of the level of change that we're talking about here it's so hard to wrap your head around um 
and you know this is just gives me a lot of hope because innovations like this could seriously help you know turn climate change around and and save a lot of energy and make the world a better place yeah and even if for example for someone to play devil's advocate in this context they could say oh yeah about the supply chain well what if we get one day where at least in terms of the trucks things that are transporting it's all electric so they're not combustion engine vehicles that are contributing to greenhouse gas you it's still what you said right it's the the loss of water that ratio you do not like in terms of either 40 to 1 for oj or 600 to 1 for wine as well as the single use aspect but there's another thing that i'm starting to consider which i think obviously there will just be a market for this when i think of wine right when you just described wine in france i mentioned bordeaux earlier that's a very very nice wine region in france there will always be a market for people that will want a bottle that has their favorite vineyard from Bordeaux with the year, right? Where, you know, they have it in their cellar or they, they just have it in their house where they're, oh, wow, this is a $15, sorry, not $15. This is a 15 year old <laughs> bottle of this amazing Cab Sav from this vineyard in Bordeaux. So I'm obviously pro Canna because I think just this alone will help with the people who are going to the supermarket just to grab two six cans of their favorite sparkling wa flavored sparkling water and Coca-Cola. Cause now you can just do that all in, in house once this device is available. Yeah. I mean, we should yeah, have the caveat that it, you can't really age um, some alcohols with Canna. Maybe they come up with a compound yes. that acts similar to the aged uh, substance, but I think there'll always be that market there for people that really want to enjoy the natural way it's done. And I think there'll be a lot of pushback from owners of, of um, you know, beverage fields and this kind of thing, where they think it's, you know, ridiculous that you make your, um, you make your wine or you make your beer from, you know, this little device instead of doing it the traditional way. So that market will shrink, I think, but definitely not go away. The other thing that just popped into my head is how this may change the cash crops for developing countries, a mm. lot of whom rely on tea and coffee and, and other beverages to export to Western countries. But if that's all cut out of the process, they'll have to find another way to earn a lot of their GDP back. Um, and, I, and that may, may not be a bad thing. Maybe they can be retrained and, and shift into another industry that's, that's more environmentally friendly. But the ripple effects that will be felt like this if it's scaled up are immense. Yeah, I see a lot more issue with taking a product from say it's native land, but then having the desire to ship it. I think that's where you're actually contributing significantly to, to climate change because just given all the variables in between with transport. But for example, take the Colombian coffee farmer. If they have their own plantation and they're just making coffee in-house and at least maybe selling it locally, I don't see really an issue with that, but I, I think the same thing will become a problem, say, if we can get to this stage with food, potentially, there could be a similar argument with coffee, or sorry, um, with chocolate. Yeah, absolutely. Right, because there'd be regions, yeah, so it's... Absolutely. It's going to... Um, I'll just talk about the founding group really quickly here. So we've we've pumped up uh, David Friedberg, is that, am I saying that right? Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Friedberg, it's almost spelled like that. Um, yeah. But he's, yeah, an active uh, entrepreneur. Canna, also the founding group, includes former employees of Apple, Google, Nike, and other food tech companies. So really a behemoth of, of talent you have in, in California here representing this company. Um, and I guess the only issue I'd, I'd have with the success of Canna is 
perhaps growing too big and and having a complete monopoly over this kind of technology. Great for them, but I think when things get too centralized, that's always maybe not so good because you need competition to to keep those other businesses on track. But we'll see how this goes. I don't know exactly how much patent they have over all their technology. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure after 30 million, it's pretty airtight. But I think once this technology really develops, other companies will find a way to get involved. So it won't just be this one uh, towering giant. Yeah, and that's what I was, I was also thinking about because their aim is, for example, in the manufacturing realm to decentralize manufacturing, which is a win for humanity and the planet. But to your point, if, and it's also not the case just because they're the first doesn't mean they'll be the the success. Yeah. Like they may be the monopoly, but maybe another company would beat them to it. Mm -hmm. What I want to get your take on, because you kind of just brought it up briefly. Yes, you could be using their platform, but I think there's going to be a lot of issues surrounding, say, patents mm -hmm. of people's customized drinks. Yeah. Right? Because it's this weird thing. If I think of Coca-Cola, I'm not a Coca-Cola drinker, but I know that they've patented their formula, mm -hmm. which we've already discussed on, on this pod. Mm -hmm. Primarily, it's water and then their, their actual patented mix of compounds. I would not be shocked if there's something similar that is down the road going to happen with Canna mm -hmm. because you're going to have people wanting to come out with their own custom drinks mm -hmm. because there might be incentive for them because if other people build the same drink in their kitchen, maybe they get a royalty, but then where is Canna in terms of the combinations of compounds that are making these new drinks? Because essentially people have the ability to invent new drinks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you can get really nitty gritty with the details here and, and perhaps if if your flavor and your customization of your drink goes really well, maybe Canna will bring you in under their wing and allow you to market it through their platform and create your own kind of miniature brand under their heading. Um, but like I said, again, flavors cannot be um, patented, only natural products. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it makes it kind of hard with this level of customization to create your own kind of brand exclusively, I would say. Yeah, and that's where this is also becoming a slippery slope because, for example, you'll have people that will be able to patent sometimes a combination where some of the compounds are synthetic, like they had to make it themselves, but then they're, they're still mixed in with natural compounds, and yet some of those drinks can be patented. So it's kind of this fuzzy, ever-changing dynamic area. And yeah, you're right. I think this is way over our heads in terms of we're not patent attorneys, but I just see this invention as giving people free reign to express themselves, be creative and design. They get to make a name for this bizarre thing that is water and 27 different compounds that no one's tasted yeah, before. Exactly. So, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this pretty complex technology and maybe it sounds so futuristic and, and so early on for this kind of invention. And like we said, the price point hasn't come out yet, but what Canna has assured is that Buying a device like this will actually save a regular family money, gas money to go to the store, um, get, uh, you know, the, the price of, of the amount of drinks that you're making. If you could just centralize that all in one system and just buy the flavor compounds, they will they are ensuring that basically it'll save people money. Um, that is yet to be seen because there's also I mean, how many 
different drinks to does the average family take you know you have your beer your wine your coffee your tea all this kind of stuff and i'm sure that they'll have different price points on on the different kind of uh flavor capsules and maybe some of the wine flavor capsules will be more expensive if they're trying to recreate the feel of a different beverage um but i'm, I'm optimistic right they, they want to do this at scale so it's not just going to be an elitist product and once they get their their generations of these devices going, I think it'll just be a landslide, like open the floodgates for people in the West, at least to, to get this kind of product. Sure. And what you described with whole family, what's interesting that I've heard, and they were very vague in terms of not really disclosing how the process works. But the idea is this, let's just say the flavor cartridge has 80 compounds and you're a family that you kind of just like coffee you like this juice and then the adults like this type of hard seltzer. And let's imagine you're only using at, mo at most 50% of those compounds. Someone asked a good question, which is what happens to that cartridge with the 40 other compounds that haven't been used? You just mm, throw that away. Interesting. And they, they didn't describe the technology because again, they're, they're still kind of in the, the early prototype phase, but they basically hinted at they have a process internally, and this is where I'd be curious to learn more over time as more details come out, but they have means of recycling those compounds. So the compounds that don't get used, there's an ability to recycle that through various reactions to maybe, who knows, even recreate some of the compounds that are key to making coffee and then they're key to making like an espresso martini, right? So they also have reusability of their chemical compounds. It's just vague in terms of how that process actually works but that's just another thing to add to what they're trying to do. Yeah. So in general, I think that it's it's hard to find a lot of information on Canna specifically because they haven't put out any devices yet. And I know we talk a lot about, about covering different topics again and again on this podcast, but this is absolutely one I think we're going to talk about again as the company moves forward in development and maybe the first couple people or the first couple businesses get their hands on these devices because we'll have a lot more specifics about what the capsules are actually like, you know, if they're recyclable, what the compounds are like, what the flavors are like, and the general feedback we'll get from the population of people that are going to be acquiring these devices. I agree. I think it's going to be very exciting. I do have one, one final question for you on this topic. All right. Let's just imagine this device is here today. It's not a version one, let's say it's had years to be refined. So it's a, it's a very good working product. What drink do you make? What's your first custom drink you'd want to make? Well, what time? Could be alcoholic, what, what, non-alcoholic. What, what time is it? How about this? Okay, fine. We'll do. <laughs> if it's in the it's morning, I'm obviously, if it's, if it's in the <laughs> it's morning, I'm obviously somewhere. doing a martini. Yeah. All right. So let, let, let's, for the sake of argument, give me one non-alcoholic option and one alcoholic option. Okay. Yeah. I think I'd be super into getting my own coffee perfect how i like it every morning i obviously change it up if i get bored of it and then making my own kind of craft beer because i'm yeah. huge on on like not specialty beers but not piss beers after spending time in europe and now exploring more craft breweries here i think creating you know mr heiss's perfect beer would be so ideal for me that'd be same question back to you though so on the non-alcoholic side, I would kind of make a fruity, sparkling water. So oh, kind of have the white claw movement, so but non-alcoholic. <laughs> no, no, I, dude, I think I think it's nice. It's nice and clean, man. Because I could make, for example, I think I mentioned guava earlier. I could make a lychee sparkling water, yeah, okay. or like a kiwi, a blueberry sparkling water. Oh, Not that I would Lord. do the blueberry one, but 
anyway, and then on the alcohol side, I would either say same in terms of designing my own craft beer. Yeah. Otherwise, a custom red wine. Yeah. I really like red wine, so it'd be cool to to play around there. Yeah, you love your wine. You know, we'll have to uh, we'll have to compare our customized uh, drinks when this when this really <laughs> pops off. Yeah, what, once all of our listeners have a can of, yeah. we'll see who gets who gets more. We'll, we'll run a little merch contest or something. We'll put a little poll yeah. up and see who does the best. Should we make a simple evolution cocktail? <laughs> oh my god! Now you're thinking. <laughs> we oh. we are we are <laughs> surging ahead with our uh, development here. We're going to the top. <laughs> just, chasing no Rogan, just chasing Rogan. Just chasing Rogan. That's the beauty because you and I are at rock bottom. So the pro is we can either only stay where we are or yeah, improve. Exactly. And I think a beverage will super help with that. I mean, we can maybe market our podcast off our winning beverage. Hey, there you go. Who knows? That's whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. So this was a super interesting discussion. Uh, I'm happy to talk about it with you. And I'm glad you find articles like this to, to, broaden, my, to broaden my mind and to broaden my um, interests here. Yeah, and I am very happy I have someone to discuss it with and hopefully an audience that enjoys listening to it and wants to learn more. Absolutely. Take it easy, guys. All right, peace. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you gained some new insights. Tune in next week for another fresh topic. Until then, stay curious and think differently.